him over to his enemies. He felt bad about it. He was full of remorse. And he regretted it. And he even took the money back. Here, take your money. I don't want it. But what did his sorrow lead him to do? He went out and hung himself. He found no hope. Worldly sorrow leads to despair. Listen to the songs of the world. See what hope they ever offer you. We sit and we cry and listen to all of their ballads and all of their sorrows and sadness and unrequited love and all of these things. No hope. It's a real sorrow. It really hurts. But the end of it is death. Because it turns no heart to repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus. Worldly sorrow leads to death while sorrow according to God leads to everlasting life. Oh, brethren, children, do you understand what's being said to you this morning? Please don't mistake conviction for conversion. You can be caught. Children, you know that awful feeling of being caught, don't you? Oh, I hated being caught. I didn't get caught too often. But when I did, the feeling of knowing you've been found out, you are in trouble. Oh, what a terrible feeling. I will never forget, burned into my memory, my mother and father's parting words to me once as they were going on vacation. And they said, don't bring anybody in the house while we're gone. And the day before they came back, I brought a friend in my house. And they came home a day early. I couldn't look at my mother for a week. She couldn't talk to me for a week. I was caught. And I tried to do everything I could to make everything feel better. But it felt miserable. If you think that's a serious and awful feeling, You need to understand yourself before God. You're not fooling Him about anything. He sees you and knows you. And while you might get away with some things that your parents don't see, children, God sees them. You are caught. By your mercy, Holy Father, would you put your finger upon the hearts of those 
We need to know their wickedness. Well, brethren, we will simply take one more point and stop for this morning. But worldly sorrow and godly sorrow are eternally different things. Godly sorrow turns the heart to true repentance. It hates sin because sin is sin against a holy and a righteous God. It's not simply fearing the consequences that come from being caught. We want to consider just our second point and then bring this to a close. We want to consider repentance and continuance. It is most important for us to realize who Paul is addressing. Who is he talking to? Harlots out on the street selling their wares? Is he talking to drug addicts that are unconscious in the gutter? Who is he talking to? Professing Christians! The epistle to the church at Corinth. He's not calling lost men and women to repent and believe the gospel. He's plainly calling saints of God to practice what is second nature to those born of the Spirit. I don't miss that. He is calling those who profess to be the children of God to walk in their profession. How did they enter the kingdom of God? Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance is not a one-time thing that I do and somehow or another that merits me getting into the kingdom. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I believed uh, You know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. Sure, I believed and I've been living like hell ever since, but you know I'm saved because I felt bad for a while and then I felt better. No. When the Spirit of God does that miraculous work of grace in the heart that we call the new birth, it makes a man alive in the Spirit. And when he's alive in the Spirit, he's in union with the resurrected Savior. He's indwelt by the what spirit? The Holy Spirit. What's the word? The Holy Bible. And that life within him detests wickedness. It hates wickedness. And it will turn to God. When you're born of God's Spirit, repentance is not something you did once. It is the habitual character of your life. Martin Luther said in Thesis 1 of his 95 Theses, Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, when he said, Penitentiam agite, willed that the whole life of believers should be repentant first thing in the 95 Theses. That Jesus will that our whole life be a life of repentance. You say, brother, are you telling me I'm supposed to walk around all the time moaning and groaning and, and weeping and feeling bad and showing to the world that it's miserable to serve the Lord Jesus? No, I'm telling you that when the Spirit of God comes and leads you to a godly sorrow, 
He turns you to repent and trust your Christ where your joy is. You turn from your sin to Him that has pardoned them in His precious cleansing blood. When He hung upon the cross, He was gloriously fulfilling the type of the high priest. The high priest wore a breastplate that had all the jewels representing the tribes of Israel. What does this mean? It means that the priest carries God's people on his heart. And Jesus Christ bore his people upon his heart on the cross of Calvary. He loves them and sends his wounding spirit to make them alive and turn to him in faith. And it is a characteristic of their lives as long as they're on this planet until He takes them home. Is this you? Is it you, friends? What is your profession of Christ? Is it I repented or I repent? Because God dwells within His people by the power of the Holy Spirit, they will perpetually change their minds about sin. When they see it and recognize it in their lives, and sometimes it only, that recognition only comes when the Lord sends a beloved brother or sister to set that word before you and drive that word into your heart. Tell you what, that's somebody that loves you. Not someone that just looks the other way and says, well, you know, love. Just kind of looks the other way. No. Love says, brother, what are you doing? The Word of God leads us this way. Why are you doing that? Repentance is not something done once for all at conversion. It is the continuing characteristic of the child of God. This will always lead them to change their thinking and their change of thinking will change their way of living. It is a sorrow that leads to repentance and a repentance unto salvation never to be repented of. We don't want to change our minds about that which leads us unto salvation. Jesus calls the seven churches of Asia to repent to the church at Ephesus. Remember, therefore, remember from where thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. You're a Christian. At least those who profess to be his to the church at Pergamos. He says, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. To the church at Sardis, he says, Remember therefore how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. 
and to the church at Laodicea, as many as I love, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Brethren, has the Lord made clear to you some sin in your life by His Word or by a brother or sister? Oh, be zealous and repent and turn to your God. He loves those that He's chastening. This is not His hatefulness. He's finished their judgment on the cross. Paid in full. It is finished. Calls these precious ones to repent and to continue repenting. Walk with me, beloved child. Walk with me, dear sheep. You have to take the rod sometimes and go over and dump them on the head. But he brings them back in the fold. This is the purpose. Brethren, have you ever sorrowed unto repentance? Has there ever been godly sorrow that's worked in your heart that's made you see your desperate need of Christ? He is a willing sake. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to Him. Change your mind. Flee to the risen Christ. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God, for when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves 
would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important. When he says that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.